Listener-supported KFUO, the messenger of good news. This is the Midday Moments program. I'm Gary Duncan. It's time now for our moment in Scripture with Pastor Matt Clark of Ascension Lutheran Church in South St. Louis. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Gary. Thanks for having me with you. It's great to have you here today. And now, as we concluded our reading last week, we read of Saul's death, and we start out this week. We've moved into Second Samuel, and we're reading chapters 1 through 8 is what we read for the week. And it starts off that David hears about Saul's death, and then David and uh, his reign, he's anointed as king over Judah. As we continue to read, David conquers Jerusalem, and the ark is brought to Jerusalem. Jerusalem as we conclude with our readings for this week. What's on your mind for our discussion today? Yeah, thanks for kind of setting the table for us, Gary. You're right. We uh, talked about that death of Saul last week, and one of those in the Bible that sadly commits suicide there when he sees that the battle is really beyond hope. Uh, But then in chapter one, like you pointed out, David hears word of Saul's death. In fact, this messenger comes, uh, this this soldier comes, and he brings the death of Saul with him. And according to this guy, at least, uh, Saul doesn't quite die at his own hand, but this individual sort of finishes the job for him. Uh, Saul cries out to him and calls him over and says, you know, I'm dying. Can you can you finish me off before the, my enemies get to me? And so he does. And so he kills Saul, looks like, kind of finishes his death at least. Then he takes the crown with him and delivers it to David and tells him that Saul is dead. Now, if you're David and if Saul has been on your trail for years now trying to hunt you down and kill you and you hear that Saul has died, you would think that David would be, well, kind of relieved, uh, maybe even happy about it. Uh, And now he's got the crown there. You know, he's already been the one anointed as king. So, hey, let's go. I'm king. Saul's gone. Whoopee. Uh, But it's just the opposite reaction. David knows that Saul is the Lord's anointed, the Lord's chosen one. And so he mourns Saul's death, not necessarily just for Saul's sake, but for the sake of the office that he held, that the Lord is the one who appointed him there. And in fact, uh, David even has that messenger killed (laughs) that brings him the news of Saul's death and uh, the crown back with him. So it's it's kind of interesting. It's not what we would expect, perhaps. Maybe it's not what we would do. But in many ways, David's doing the thing that brings the most respect to the Lord and so, to the Lord's I, choice I, of Saul. You know me. I have to interject my yeah, humor yeah, here. <laughs> Did uh, David not hear the, the phrase, don't kill the messenger? <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is where the phrase comes from, maybe. really. You know, it kidding really aside, be. it yeah. might be. You know, there are so many different cliches and sayings we have today that from come the from the scriptures. Yeah. You know, a house divided against itself can't stand. Well, Lincoln got that from the Bible. He got that from Jesus. Um, so mm-hmm. so maybe this is part of that, Gary, but that's exactly what he does. He kills the messenger. Yep, no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to comment on that and then... Uh, As we move on then through these chapters, chapter 7 I wanted to look at a little bit too. Uh, This is labeled in my Bible, God's covenant with David. But what begins this is David is established as king. Um, He Things are becoming stable. There's a relative amount of peace now. And so David says, I'm going to build a house for the Lord. I'm going to build the temple. 
And that sounds like a pretty commendable thing, right? Uh, yeah, that's a good thing to build a temple for the Lord. Uh, so there in the opening verses of chapter 7, it says, uh, the Lord had given him rest over his enemies. The king said to Nathan the prophet, uh, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do what is in your heart. The Lord is with you. So Nathan the prophet says, ah, Sounds good to me, David. Right on. Uh, you live in a palace. The, the ark of the covenant's in a tent. Go ahead and build that temple. Uh, but then we hear in verse 4, that same night, the word of the Lord comes to Nathan, the prophet. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? <laughs> I have not lived in a house since the day I brought uh, the people up out of Egypt to this day, but been moving about in a tent as my dwelling. So God says, wait a second here. I haven't commanded you to build a temple. I haven't commanded anyone to build a temple yet. I've been in the tabernacle, the tent, since the day that Egypt left. Well, after, well, not exactly the day after they left, but after they constructed the tabernacle after they left. But I think that's kind of interesting. It's been a, a, a couple hundred years now where the Ark of the Covenant has been in this tent. There's really been no temple. Uh, and God says, that's okay. And there at the end of, toward the end of, of chapter 7, uh, it says there in uh, verse 12 and following, uh, the Lord's still speaking and he says, um, I will, verse 13 in particular, uh, I will establish your kingdom, his kingdom, a descendant of David. He shall build a house for him in my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So the Lord says that that he's going to build David a house. Okay, you think you're going to build me a house, David? I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to raise up an offspring from your body to establish my kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So I, I think we think, first of all, of David's son, Solomon, who becomes right. king, and certainly the Lord works through him to build a temple. Uh, we'll see that in the chapters to come over the next few weeks. It goes into great detail what this temple looks like, and so Solomon is the one who has chosen to build that. David makes the plans, but Solomon's the one who actually builds that temple. But the even greater one that the Lord's talking about here that's going to come from David's body, the one whose kingdom will be established forever, is ultimately guess who? Jesus, right? That right. he's going to be the one who's going to establish God's kingdom forever and ever. And his temple, that temple that he establishes, is, is none other than Jesus' body. <laughs> uh, as odd as that sounds, that's the reality of it. We hear that, especially in John's gospel. There's that account where uh, Jesus is there clearing the temple. And then in John chapter 2, verse 18, the Jews say of him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answers them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So in other words, his body is that temple, that place where God dwells, and Jesus, of course, is God. And destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And that's exactly what he does at his resurrection. He comes back to life. Uh, that temple is raised. Yes, Solomon's temple, that's going to be temporary. That building's going to be destroyed by the Babylonians. It'll be gone. But Jesus' temple, the temple of his body, it's destroyed on the cross on Good Friday, but it's raised back to life. It'll never be destroyed again. His kingdom and his reign and his priesthood is established forever. And I think that's kind of cool that we already get a glimpse of that uh, about a thousand years before Jesus is born here with uh, David as the Lord speaks to him and speaks to Nathan.
And where you left off in what you were reading there, um, I think you read uh, verse 13 there in Second yeah. Samuel. Right after that, in verse 14, is, I will be his father and he will be my son. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that neat, too? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, certainly, you know, in the immediate future, uh, God will be Solomon's God, right? Right. Uh, but we think even more of that greater fulfillment of that promise, too, that, of course, God the Father sends his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to this world right. to establish that kingdom and that reign forever and ever. And it's, just, yeah. it's just so cool to me that the, the whole Bible just holds together so well. And in the Old Testament, we see so many different things that help us even more fully appreciate what God accomplishes in the New Testament in his son, Jesus. And that's the way I read that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it says, when your days are over, I will rest in your ancestors. And then if you go on, then there's that line, I will be his father and he will be my son. I see that as promise of Christ. Yeah, ultimately, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right, Gary. It, it, ultimately, that, that promise is in Christ. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then God works through David's line and Solomon's line to mm-hmm. bring that Christ into the world. Right. Great. Would you like to lead us in a prayer? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you that the Old Testament reveals Jesus to us. We thank you that you did send your only begotten Son, that you sent him to uh, be the one who um, dwelt among us, tabernacled among us out of love for us. We also thank you that he uh, laid down his life for us. Uh, that his body, that temple was destroyed on the cross on Good Friday, that he truly did die and shed his blood for us. But we thank you even more that uh, you kept your promise to raise him back to life, that even though that temple was destroyed in three days, it was raised again. Lord, we know that uh, your son will live and reign forever and ever and ever. And because of that, we know that we too have life in his name. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you would help us rejoice in that, uh, even in these days of Lent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I want to add one more thing. As you said, we will have life in his name. That also applies to us. He will be our father, and we will be his son. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, we don't deserve that, Gary, (laughs) but yet that's exactly it. That God the Father, Father. especially think of holy baptism, makes us as sons and daughters, brothers Mm -hmm. and sisters of Christ and in Christ. Uh, Just incredible. It's awesome. Thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, you back, Gary. In the next week, uh, we'll be looking at uh, 2 Samuel chapters 11 through 21. And I invite our reader, or excuse me, our, our listeners to read along. And that's 2 Samuel chapters 11 through 21. Thanks. Exactly. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org, AM850 in St. Louis. And of course, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash KFUO radio.